Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. It is Thursday. That means it's time for our Wednesday show because that's how things work when you're talking about the Miami Dolphins. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. I am Jake Mendel and joining me is like a 60% Josh Houts because Josh, you came in fired up, uh, but you seem to have left your voice uh, elsewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm 69%, Jake. I went to AEW nice. Dynamite last night, watched uh, wrestling, had tickets two years ago before the pandemic, finally came back to Philly, but yeah, my voice is cooked, man. How have you been? Josh, to give you a little inside baseball, I have 12 tabs open right now. That is the clear indication that it is football season. I'm Losing getting the mind. high school football. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally like trying to go through a maze, uh, getting the football previews ready for the high school weekend. And Josh, I got to tell you, you know, we did mention a coaching change in the last episode, and I did get some tweets kind of saying like, how are you going to fire Brian Flores already? And I don't think I think we made it pretty clear that that was not the direction we were going with that whatsoever. We just took a really deep look down that dark road. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing this back up, Josh, is because being just one game a week, I think I'm getting ready to talk myself into how the Dolphins can beat the Bucks on Sunday. Oh, my God. I did not expect <laughs> I did not expect you to say that. But, but you're right, Jake. We threw those names out there. We were kind of just hypothetical, you know, planting our flag way too early. But uh, okay, I'm I'm interested to hear this. I want to know how these Dolphins are going to beat the Bucks, man, because I'm all on board with that. We like to be at the uh, podcast of optimism. Let's go all in. Dolphins going to beat the Bucks this weekend. It's the balance of optimism and honesty, because for as much as football is using the past to project the future, we have no idea what the hell's happening. We any any week we have no idea what's going to happen. That's no why idea. that's why Vegas wins. That's why Vegas always wins. So Josh, I'm going to kind of sprinkle these things in throughout the episode because we have some good to talk about. We have some bad, but I wanted to start with some Brian Flores quotes that came out following Sunday's loss. And, and Flores basically said, I, "I don't think any of this is massive news, but doing a podcast a couple times a week, we can talk about this stuff a little bit." So Brian Flores said he doesn't expect any wholesale changes. Uh, they're still kind of going through the evaluation process, making their corrections from Sunday, but don't expect any wholesale changes. He went on to say, obviously, we haven't had the success we want, no shit, or production that we're looking for. I like the process during the week. I like our preparation. We've had some good plans going on. We just haven't been able to execute. Flores finished by saying the team is uh, inconsistent and undisciplined. Josh, that kind of goes with what we've been saying in the sense of the Dolphins have been getting killed, but 
it's because they haven't played to their identity yet. And, and that's kind of where this team has, has really found that void. I mean, it, it's kind of a weird situation where we know what this team is capable of, but does the team know what they're capable of? Great question, Jake. And it is, they're just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, to me hearing this, the first thing I thought of was this sounds a lot like a Bill Belichick press conference where he's just mumble, 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 saying one thing here or there, you know, but I mean, the biggest thing I guess, Jake, is that he went there and said, you know, um, we're not producing, we're not getting the production on offense. I like our preparation. I like this and that, but if you're not executing in the game, if you're not doing anything outside of those scripted plays that we see early on, I mean, you got to make a change. And it goes back to what you said, uh, you know, with Jacoby struggling a little bit, what if they pulled the trigger on if Tua was the quarterback, you got to go back and look at the coordinators. I mean, one of these guys got to be held accountable. And at that point, you got to make another move there, whether that's elevating Charlie Fry, whether that's giving Studsville the duties, I don't know, but um, someone needs to be held accountable because it's been a shit show on offense. Josh, that's kind of what we've been looking for since this uh, spiral downwards has really begun is is some sort of accountability, some sort of urgency. And we really haven't seen that too much to this point. Um, When Brian Flores mentions wholesale changes, I think that's what he means in terms of the offensive coordinators, in terms of, I don't know, maybe trading for a quarterback. And that's kind of where I, I see this going is just them really trying to work this out over the next couple of weeks. I, the last thing I ever want to do is say that this team, uh, is comparable to any New England Patriots team whatsoever. But Josh, there there were a plenty of years where the Patriots really stumbled in that first month and the season begins in October. And Josh, I'm looking at the calendar. It is October 7th. So the hope that I have is, you know, those Brian Flores teams maybe takes after those Bill Belichick teams where the first month, everything's kind of hard to really pick up on. Brian Flores mentioned it's a young team. People are probably turning off this podcast because I'm bringing out these excuses, but I guess that's the rope I'm grabbing for because I spent all off season trying to build up this team. I don't want to throw it in the dumpster just yet. No, it's way too early for that. And, you know, 17 games this year, you're hundred percent right, Jake. And, you know, it, it is, it's the whole identity of this, um, you know, new England type philosophy and, and just this team. And it's just been the entire vision since Flores got here. And I mean, we have seen these slow starts in the previous seasons and then they start to bring things together. Um, I guess my biggest fear is that it might be too little too late. You know, we're looking now at that London game and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that, I mean, if, if they go, if they somehow lose that game and let Jacksonville bounce back, I mean, that's just the, um, that would be the stake in the heart. That would be the dagger, Jake, if they somehow laid an egg in London. Josh, I can't, I can't believe you just said that. I don't even want to think about Sorry. that. I, I, Sorry. Th- that Jags, if they lose that Jags game, the, the turmoil, I mean, is if Florida team's just kind of imploding here. But Josh, it's Thursday. And, and surprisingly, I have six roster moves for us to talk about here. And let's talk about your favorite one. We'll start there. The Dolphins have rocketed Jakeem Grant all the way to Chicago and kind of got a decent deal with it they pulled off a six round pick so josh uh, we kind of assumed something like this would happen during uh the preseason that wasn't the case jakeem grant restructures his contract to stay in miami he fumbles twice on kick returns through four games and the dolphins decide to go in a different direction so what was your thoughts when you finally saw the dolphins pull the trigger on moving on from jakeem grant I mean, I guess part of me was a little bit like, okay, you know, a little bit hurt, I guess. Maybe, you know, I was sitting here expecting him to be traded or released for so long that now that it happened, you know, I was like, oh man, that kind of sucks. But when you looked at the muff punt, when you looked at him literally getting tossed into Chicago in that last game, I mean, I just don't know where the Dolphins 
could have found a place on this roster for him moving forward. You know, I mean, we've already seen that he can't really do the punt returning thing as well as you had hoped. I know, I know he's an all pro, but I mean, he was a liability there. So to be able to get Jalen Waddle more involved in the return game, I know that that's what Brian Flores kind of hinted at, but to get him more opportunities to make big plays, I mean, that's just better for the Miami Dolphins as a whole. And then I look at it from Jakeem Grant going to Chicago. I think Jake back when we did um, one of our book clubs, you know, we talked I know about exactly compared, where you're going. We yep. compared him to Taylor Gabriel, I think at the time. And we said that, you know, I think the contract was the same. We looked at Gabriel's numbers. I mean, he had a, you know, one good year with them or something, whatever like it was, that. but his career has been completely different than, you know, only 91 catches and a thousand and one yards and five touchdowns. Like we saw from Jakeem Grant. So um, I'm, I'm glad that he's gone. I'm glad that he's at least getting an opportunity to go out there and get a fresh start. And, you know, who knows, maybe Justin Fields will be that quarterback that can bring out, you know, some of that playmaking ability that we saw in college when he and Mahomes were teammates, but uh, Jake to get a sixth round pick in 2023, the same compensation that the Patriots just got for Stefan Gilmore. I mean, that's a pretty big, uh, that's a pretty big deal, but I guess that says more about how desperate the Patriots were than anything else. Josh, I, I love the spin zone. I love the comparison there, but I mean, every time I saw someone tweet that, I, tried. I think we got to put into perspective the, the contract that Stefan Gilmore brings with him. Uh, basically, this was a skip to the front of the line uh, to acquire someone like Stefan Gilmore. He was going to become a free agent, and then he'd be able to, if he made it through waivers, he'd be making or working on a new contract with a new team. But the way the trade worked, he kind of gets the contract he already had. Maybe the Panthers will even try to work it out because I know that was an issue Gilmer had in New England. But I, I just it's not necessarily a f- fair deal because the Panthers traded a sixth-round pick to pay like $17 million. Uh, the Bears are paying Jakeem Grant like a mil and a half and, and need that wide receiver help that fits that Justin Fields uh, agenda, I guess we'll say, but, but I, I, like I said, I love the spin zone. I just kind of want to put the asterisk next to it just in case. Yeah. Shame on you for saying we could not have traded Jakeem Grant to uh, the New England Patriots for Stefan Gilmore. How dare you shoot that down, Jake? <laughs> but, um, you know, you have, the, yeah, you have the quote here straight from Flores, you know, saying you want to get Waddle more involved. He said, we felt like we had some depth in the receiver room. I wanted to get some other guys going at receiver and the return game. That went into the decision. We're confident in Waddle as a returner. He's had a lot of success in college. He's done a good job in practice. We have confidence he will protect the ball in the return game. And as a receiver, that's something you have to work on all the time. And yet, you know, Flores had to throw that out there because we all remember uh, Jalen Waddle did muff that punt, you know, early on in the yep. season. So, um, again, big play potential. Love to see, you know, love to see what he could do in college in the return game. But if he can't hold on to the football, if he's doing the same things that Jakeem Grant has, you know, then maybe you're looking at no Igbenogany back there returning kicks or Javon Holland or something crazy like that. And, you know, um, you, you hope that if you brought in a dynamic playmaker like Jalen Waddle, I mean, Jake, we talked about time and time again, having that Deshaun Jackson highlight in our head, that would be awesome to see. Josh, the thing I think that is interesting here, and no disrespect to Grant, but one of my biggest frustrations about the Colts game is that the team got Durham Smythe a target and Adam Shaheen a target before Mike Kosicki did. Mike Kosicki wasn't targeted until there was less than five minutes left in the first half, I believe. So this move to me kind of looks like the Dolphins, for lack of better metaphor, they're, they're trimming the fat on this roster. They're trying to focus in on the playmakers. I know, I, I think it was God's here. One of the offensive coordinators came out and said they want to get Parker more involved, but instantly you're cutting off a Jakeem Grant negative seven yard reception. And, and that's only one play and it might not seem a lot, but I mean, that derails an entire drive. All, instead you can get the ball to Jalen Waddle on that play, maybe four years, four yards over the line of scrimmage. I know that's so much to ask for, but then he can make a play with it. Uh, there's just that opportunity here. And, and Josh, let's talk about the wide receiver room as a whole here, because Will Fuller is headed to injured reserve with a broken finger. First thought I had, Josh, is, is 
we don't tape these up anymore. We can't get him a special glove where it's the two fingers taped inside the glove. I mean, it's frustrating because the Dolphins are paying Will Fuller to be one of their top five highest paid guys on the team. They expected him to be that playmaker. He's looking to get a big contract and just nothing seems to be working out in that uh, Fuller and Dolphins relationship. Yeah, Jake, you you touched on the whole uh, Godsy or whichever coordinator talking about getting DVP more involved. I think that was literally the day after we came on the podcast and talked about it. So we'll pat ourselves on the back a yep. little bit for that. But the Will Fuller thing, you're right. It's frustrating. I think maybe, you know, if the Dolphins weren't one and three, maybe if they didn't feel as confident in this receiving core. I mean, they went into week one already expecting not to have Will Fuller. You know, maybe this is just what yep. the team planned for, you know, as, as sad as that sounds when they, when they did sign him. Only has four catches on the year. I think he 24, 26 yards. So, I mean, he has been um, the definition of a disappointment when you factor in, you know, some of the receivers the Dolphins could have approached in free agency. When you factor in, again, how talented he was in Houston, what you could think mm-hmm what you thought he might do to this offense. So I hate that it happened. I, I'm going to credit Kobe Brissett for throwing that grounder into the ball and making him dig it out. But um, hopefully Will Fuller's back in three weeks. And hopefully, you know, at that point, the Dolphins season's around and he can be that spark that we hoped he was when the Dolphins signed him. Because again, as of now, it's been, uh, it's been a disappointment. So Josh, the way I'm hoping this Will Fuller thing plays out is the Dolphins are making their way to the airport right now. Uh, they're, taking out their bags. And by the time Tua comes back, they'll be walking through the airport searching for the gate. And by the time Will Fuller comes back, we'll have, I don't know if there's an actual word for him, the, the floor that moves. Will Fuller can be that guy who slides that offense uh, forward at ease. So we're hoping that happens. But Josh, the thing I want to say that maybe doesn't frustrate me, but more I don't like, uh, you have Will Fuller on IR. Alan Hearns broke his arm. You moved Jakeem Grant. Brian Flores just said that, you know, you, we're able to do these things. We're able to move to Keen Grant because we have depth at receiver. The Dolphins have been horrible in terms of scoring points this year, Josh. So do the Dolphins actually have depth at wide receiver? Is Preston Williams, is Albert Wilson, are these two guys really capable wide receivers? Are we Dolphin fans who are a little too hyped up over what we saw against second and third stringers in the preseason? And it's kind of just grasping at straws at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel really attacked here because you threw out Preston Williams and Albert <laughs> Wilson. Those are two guys that I've had. But those a, are the guys who are probably going to step out. Yeah, I, I was just joking, but you're right. I mean, those are two players that I've thought, you know, highly of. A lot of Dolphin fans thought highly of. But when you, you look at it now, Jake, I mean, Albert Wilson was just a flash in the pan at, at training camp. You know, a bunch of good tweets and highlights is all that was. And Preston Williams, you know, I joked um, his rookie year. He was on pace to break Jerry Rice's record or whatever. I mean, he's been, again, a complete disappointment. So I, I don't know, Jake. I mean, this explains why they had all these freaking receivers in camp. But I mean, at now they're just grasping at straws and just praying that someone steps up. And I guess it goes back to our last podcast, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, and Jalen Waddle. Those are those guys. But if I had to flip a coin here, I mean, I hope Albert Wilson can be that, that spark that, you know, we can continue to hear about because at this point, if he doesn't go out there and make plays this season, uh, I don't think he's going to be a Miami Dolphin much longer. And that could say, that could be the same for Preston Williams too. I mean, he's been a guy that we thought could be cut at any moment now, right? Josh, you're hundred percent right. Williams was a healthy scratch in each of the last two games. And I guess my biggest concern, like, like say what I thought the offense was going to do in the preseason. And now obviously a lot of things have been derailed, but just the sense of uncovering your third or fourth receiver uh Preston Williams actually thrived in the slot last year so I was kind of confused to why the Dolphins didn't have three or four receivers out there and just took advantage of you know a third or fourth string cornerback because these guys I thought were very capable but I mean that seems like such a, a simple concept that the fact the Dolphins aren't doing it there must be something there I don't know 
Yeah. And simple concepts. I mean, I will get away from the receivers, but I just had, I wanted I was getting ready to go and rant in my head. I was just getting furious. Cause I was just thinking about, you know, it kind of sucks that now Will Fuller's on IR and all this stuff. And we never even truly got to see him do those things that you signed him for. We never got to see him yep. take the top off the defense. We never got to see him make those deep plays. I mean, we saw him draw a pass interference that wasn't called, but um, it, it just sucks because again, I think he's a dynamic playmaker. So hopefully he is going to be that floor that moves Jake, like you said, because those things make it a lot easier to get from uh, gate A to gate B, I guess, is, is what I was going with. There it is. I love it. Talk about a callback. Josh, we talked about some players who aren't going to suit up in a Dolphins uniform. Let, let's talk about some guys who may this week. And that starts with center Austin Reader, who was signed off the Saints practice squad. Josh, I have to be completely honest with you as a writer, as a sports writer, as a sports reporter, writing a story about an Austin Reader and a Michael Dieter was really hard to not get confused. I'm just glad you said his name first because I would have somehow found a way to butcher it. And I was going to make a joke. Have you ever seen Michael Dieter or Austin Reader in the same room? Like, are this not Out just point? Is he just not wearing those uh, the big nose and the the glasses with the mustache? It has to be the same person. So I, I know nothing about him, Jake. I know a lot of people are excited. You have written here. Reader started 28 games for the Chiefs in 2019 and 2020. He was on the Saints practice squad, and you know maybe that was because later down the road in the season, if they had an injury, maybe they had him ready to go and step in there. So uh, I don't know much about it, Jake. But for this offensive line, for as dismal as it's been, I mean Michael Dieter, Austin Reader. whoever it is, Michael Beater, I don't care. Just, just get us someone out there that can block, but it does suck to see Michael. I do got to say, it does suck to see Michael Dieter going uh, injured reserve because of how well he played. And he truly did look like one of those lone bright spots on that awful offensive line. Josh, you're, you're certainly right there. And Greg Mance, he, he sent the ball over uh, Brissett's head last week. There's a little concern there. I just kind of wonder how quickly someone like Austin Reader can come in. Josh, I used to have most of the practice squad, the different, uh, nooks and crannies rules and technicalities i used to have a strong understanding of those but i don't think i do anymore because i actually believe reader played last week for the saints but was still on the practice squad because you could move guys up for a week different things like that so this is a guy i think is going to be relatively ready to come in and play right away which i think for the dolphins i mean if you're to throw five guys off five practice squads and, and threw them on the offensive line i think i'd be a little more optimistic than i am with the guys the dolphins are currently putting out there yeah, Jake, I mean, the offensive line has been absolutely atrocious. I had to pull up this uh, PFF grade again, take him for what it's worth, but all players at his position since 2019, center Austin Reader was uh, 70.2 overall grade. That is 24th, 84.7 pass blocking grade, which is third, and a 58.5 run blocking grade, which is 48. So for a Dolphins team that has struggled so bad, you know, pass protection, maybe Austin Reader is that guy that can turn things around. But um, Jake, maybe it is best if we just go poaching all the rest of the season and just try to pick, you know, a guard here, a tackle there, and just try to figure out the best group of five that works because um, at this point, anything's better than what we got. You're that uh, fantasy football player waiting to find that flex option that just sticks. You get real lucky there. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Josh, moving along here. Raekwon Davis was activated from injured reserve. He played only five snaps against the Patriots in week one before getting hurt. 40 tackles as a rookie. He played in all 16 games. We really saw him develop from start to finish throughout uh, the 2020 season. Raquan Davis joins an interior defensive uh, line that actually has been pretty good for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, pro football focus, again, uh, take it for you know what you want. Emmanuel Agba is the highest-graded Dolphin. He's floating right under a 90. But then, Josh, second and third, Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. So when you see the fact that Sealer and Wilkins have been playing well, I think it was the Palm Beach Post just wrote a nice feature about Christian Wilkins. How does Raquan Davis fit in? And more, more specifically, do you see that run – those run game issues start to kind of improve with him there. And how do you figure out this rotation when you have three uh, defensive linemen who are already balling out, how much better can the unit really get if, if they're performing so well? I think some of this goes to the versatility of Brian Flores. I mean, the fact that they have a sealer that can play and a Wilkins that can play and, you know, you can put Raekwon in the middle there. Then you come to a, a four, three front. I mean, just the different pieces that Brian Flores has as disposal is what makes this defense so exciting, Jake. But I mean, we talked about in a previous episode, getting Raekwon Davis back was, you know, I thought it might help this run game. Uh, it's been the linebackers so far that have been the biggest issue, Jake, for the most yeah, part. So I don't know how much difference it'll be with Raekwon Davis in there. I mean, obviously him taking on two blockers and opening things up for someone else, or even just being that physical presence he is. I mean, my heart broke when he went down in that game early on in the season. I thought he was done for the year, and then they said he was doing, you know, practicing on the sideline. I mean, I think Raekwon Davis is a superstar. So I'm stoked to have him in there, Jake. This defensive line has been awesome, and it would be um, a discredit if I didn't throw out Jalen Phillips' name because I have up again another pff but he highest pass rush win percentage among rookie defenders and michael parsons is 23.3 at one and then jalen phillips is number two and 19.9 so i mean you're just starting to see this defense uh you know at least the the interior and the, the front seven start to develop again outside the linebackers but getting raekwon davis back i think we're all just kind of we're either brian flores on draft night you remember when he was drafted and he's there like jumping and big smile on his face or that picture where he's looking back he hasn't huge, smiled like that since he, he really hasn't that is the last time brian flores was happy is this they, they drafted raekwon davis maybe that maybe that's why he's been so damn miserable in the sideline jake because Raekwon he might be onto something. We just figured the Dolphins are undefeated with Raekwon Davis. That's the spin zone. That's the start shit. right there. That's the Dolphins. It. All right. All right. And Here two. We go. Don't forget. Well, no, two got hurt. Never mind. <laughs> that's the start of the spin zone. Hey, Josh, that's why I love doing this stuff with you because we can laugh about it. One of the weirdest things that I kind of thought, Josh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael Dieter was rolled up on practice. I think Raekwon Davis was rolled up by a fellow teammate. And now we have Byron Jones, who got hit by Javon Holland and has a quad injury. There were some concerns as of Wednesday that we might be without arguably the best Dolphins cornerback so far this season. But we got some positive news on Thursday that he was dressed practicing. Uh, that kind of makes me feel a little better that we don't have to have Justin Coleman playing on the outside. That makes me feel a little worse knowing that we don't have a first round pick that we could have plugged in and been confident about. But this is a little bit of good news, especially when you look at that Buccaneers receiving core. Oh, yeah, this is great news when you got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and, you know, 
Tom Brady again? When is he going to go away? But Jake, I mean, yesterday, if we did this podcast, we probably would have been doom and gloom talking about no Igbenogany, you know, Justin Coleman, how much switch age switch cheese our defense would be but it does sound like byron jones is back joe shot of the palm beach post tweeted that he saw byron jones doing cone drills and moving around quite well in warm up warm-up activities and i think that's the same thing we heard about uh raekwon davis yesterday you know before they officially activated him so hopefully they get byron jones back you'll probably c- catch some slack for saying he's been our best corner but he has been an absolute stud so um uh, if if we have any hope this weekend we need byron jones out there and, and not no igbenogany and definitely not justin coleman Th- those guys uh, that they're cooked Josh, you just mentioned his name, but let's wrap up the podcast here with a trio of listener questions we have. And the first one comes from Adam T. All these were tweeted at us. So, so thank you guys for the interactions. Don't, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, you might get some sass depending on the day from each of us. So you might get how it's voiceless, but uh, most of the time we'll respond. And most of the time it's, it's a fun conversation. So Adam T asked, what's happened to Igbenogamy? He's basically a healthy scratch most Sundays. Doesn't even look like he's going to be given the opportunity to field kicks either. It seems like a massive fail from this group of coaches. And I'm curious as to why. Josh, I kind of was okay with the pick when it happened. I understood the vision that, you know, Xavier Howard, you saw the issues with his contract, you know, Byron Jones, this is a new guy, a free agent coming in and you want to have that depth. Brian Flores loves his DBs, but not only did they draft a DB with the 31st overall pick in the 2020 draft, they have been unable to develop this kid uh, and make him into anything, uh, even a starter that can kind of overcome a, a Justin Coleman on the outside or something like that. So to me, that is my biggest concern. is isn't necessarily the pick. It isn't. It's the fact that the Dolphins and Brian Flores and that coaching staff, from our vantage point, he might show up week eight and just be the best cornerback in the league for all I know. But but from my vantage point, from what I've seen so far, I mean, it just seems like the coaching staff has really dropped the ball in, in making Noah Igbenogany the best defensive back he can be with all this time they've had to groom him. Yeah, I mean, hard to follow that up or hard to argue with any of that because, I mean, he's been an utter disappointment. You think if any staff could get the most out of him, it will be this Miami Dolphins coaching staff, but I have to throw it out there. He only turns 22 in November 27th, so he's also still a young point, player, yes. and I think we all remember. And again, that could be looked at as an excuse or you just you know make an excuse for him, but whatever. But we all remember how early on Xavier Howard struggled, you know, didn't really look like mm-hmm. that same player. So um, maybe no Igbenogany will turn around. You know, maybe this is kind of that Michael Dieter situation where they wanted him to learn some, some reps inside and outside and, you know, have a good understanding of different positions before they throw him in a battle but you know we saw Justin Coleman when he came in we thought okay you know maybe this was a player that uh, you know, Flores was familiar with was actually good. Uh, you know, he Justin Coleman's not good. And the fact that Igbenogany can't get on the field over him, that's definitely concerning. Our next question, Jake, comes from John and he asked, is Brian Flores stubborn? I'm going to keep it short and sweet because I think we talked about it on a previous podcast. I'll let you, you know, go into more length. But um, yes, he's absolutely stubborn. <laughs> I think, you know, he it's an ego thing. I don't know what it is. I mean, there's definitely tension there between him and Chris Greer. So I don't even know what that is. But there's some stubbornness for the way he's approached the offensive side of the football. And just, you know, I guess in my opinion, uh, I know better than you type of attitude. Josh, and, and I think the most concerning thing about that fallout between Greer and Flores is the fact that someone close to Flores is leaking stuff to the media. We heard about that. We heard uh, there's a story that came out. I don't know how credible it was that Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert and he was overruled by Greer. So, I mean, that right there is is such a big target to put on Greer's back, uh, whether it was Flores, whether that was just all fake news. I mean, we're sitting here talking about it. So. Brian Flores absolutely is stubborn. We've known that since 2019. We knew that in 2020. We've known that since he's fired every single offensive coordinator he's had. And I'm just hoping he's stubborn and he can back it up because that's the thing. We dislike Joe Philbin for different reasons. We dislike Adam Gase for different reasons. And 
we're starting to dislike Brian Flores for different reasons. But at the end of the day, the real reason we don't like any of these guys is because they're leading a losing football team. Yeah, and winning cures everything. If if this thing gets turned exactly. around, I mean, Brian Flores is back to you know contract extension. Let's start building a statue and all that good stuff. But Coach definitely some stubborn the, blah blah blah. We'll definitely we'll be front and center of that. But I mean, he's definitely <laughs> stubborn, and you know it probably dates back to learning under Bill Belichick, the most stubborn of them all. So, um, great question, John. On to our last question from our good pal Ian. Ian asks, "Do you guys think there is a chance Chris Greer gets fired before the end of the season?" Jake, I'll throw that one to you first. So Josh, for it to happen before the end of the season, the off season, I think is a whole different story, but, but in the middle of the season, I think we'd have, let's try to play an over under with this. Do you think Chris Greer would get fired if Dolphins lost seven of their first 10 games? So if they're three and seven, do you, do you think people are in trouble or in in concern of losing their job at that point? Or do you think that, Hey, we're going to give them the fourth year. We're going to give them the senior year of high school. And and that's it. That is the final year. And then we can be in an opportunity to rebuild. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. I believe the dolphins have two first round picks uh, next year. So, I mean, that, that might be it right there, Josh, the dolphins are set up to make a move following the season or even following the next and glory to us have another rebuild. Glory to us. Yeah. I mean, Jake, I, I really don't know. And this goes back to just football being this uncertainty. I mean, has yep. you know Ross learned anything from the past? I mean, we've seen him go into that a fourth year, you know, with a lame duck or, you know, uncertainty there. So I, I really don't know. I don't know that there's ever been a time when has there been a time when a GM? I mean, I don't remember the Dolphins firing a GM midseason before, have they? I mean, it would just, you know, a whole different onslaught of problems could arise. So I don't know, Jake, but I do think, you know, a three and seven start, the seats are definitely going to intensify. I just don't know if there's truly a, okay, this is Chris Greer's fault, you know, or this is Brian Flores' right. fault. I don't know who's at fault here. And, and, you know, maybe Steven Ross truly doesn't know. So I can't say here and say Chris Greer will be fired. I don't think he'll be fired before the end of the season because uh, again, I don't know what sort of shit show that would cause in the front office, but Definitely something. He's been there for on. 20 years. I don't I don't think that changes yeah, midseason. Yeah, at least and you know, you mentioned him having all that war chest of picks the next year and, and having themselves set up with the cap space. Maybe they told Ross this was a four-year plan. I mean, we don't know what, but either way, what they're doing so far in this third season has been nothing but regression. And that definitely has to raise some concerns. When you're Steven Ross, 81 years old, and you know, you put all that time, and that's what people keep saying, you know, why would Ross make that trade? I mean, we don't look and we look at it from our perspective, and we gave what X amount of years as fans. I mean, this dude's 81. He put billions of dollars into this team himself and he hasn't seen shit. So maybe that's going to make him, uh, you know, maybe that's going to force his hand. I have no idea, but um, definitely not envious of that decision. Yeah. I've never been uh, on the bandwagon of the Ross sell the team bandwagon. Um, Obviously wrong decisions have been made in, in terms of hires, but this is a dude who is working hard to get it right. You know, he's, he's throwing money at whatever he needs to. Uh, so, I mean, I have no issue with that. It's just kind of coming down to hitting that one home run with the right coach, with the right GM and, and making the magic happen. And that's a lot harder said than done, especially when you consider the turnover rate in the NFL, Josh, we're through the pod. We're through our Wednesday pod on Thursday. And, you know, I mentioned it, the dolphins are undefeated when Raekwon Davis plays that, Buccaneers secondary is looking rough this week, Josh. The Buccaneers can't really run the football. And that's probably where I'm going to wrap up in terms of my positivity for this episode. All I can say is the Dolphins have an opportunity to muck it up, especially the game staying in Florida. Uh, I, I think this might be a little bit of a weird game. I have a hard time coming out and saying right now that the Dolphins are going to get killed. Uh, but Josh, we'll be back again tomorrow to go into our full preview between the Bucks and the Dolphins as the Dolphins the season quickly, quickly is uh, going down the drain. But Josh, take us on out of here as we wrap up our Thursday show. 
As we always say, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Jake and Josh show. As always, subscribe to the podcast. You'll get up to the minute releases whenever we drop a new podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you ever need anything, please reach out. For the Jake and Josh show, I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you tomorrow with our week five preview of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins